breathing and exchange of gases as you have read earlier oxygen o2 is utilized by the organism to indirectly break down simple molecules like glucose amino acid fatty acid etc to derive energy to perform various activities carbon dioxide co2 which is harmful is also released during the above catabolic reactions it is therefore evident that o2 has to be continuously provided to the cells and co2 produced by the cells have to be released out this process of exchange of o2 from the atmosphere with co2 produced by the cells is called breathing commonly known as respiration place your hands on your chest you can feel the chest moving up and down you know that it is due to breathing how do we breathe the respiratory organs and the mechanism of breathing are described in the following sections of this chapter respiratory organs mechanism of breathing vary among different groups of animals depending mainly on their habitats and level of organization lower invertebrates like sponges cnidarians flatworms etc exchange o2 with co2 by simple diffusion over their entire body surface earthworms use their moist cuticles and insects have a network of tube tracheal tubes to transport atmospheric air within the body special vascularized structure called gills branchial respiration are used by most of the aquatic arthropods and mollusks whereas vascularized bag called lungs pulmonary respiration are used by the terrestrial forms of the for exchange of the gases among vertebrates fishes use gills whereas amphibians reptiles birds and mammals respire through lungs amphibians like frogs can respire through their moist skin cutaneous respiration also human respiratory system we have a pair of external nostrils opening out above the upper lips it leads to the nasal chamber through the nasal passage the nasal chambers open into the pharynx a portion of which is the common food common passage for food and air the pharynx open through the larynx region into the trachea larynx is a cartilaginous box which help in the sound production and hence called the sound box during swallowing glottis can be covered by a thin elastic cartilaginous flap called epiglottis to prevent the entry of food into the larynx trachea is a straight tube extending up to the mid thoracic cavity which divides at the level of the fifth thoracic vertebra into the left and right primary bronchi each bronchi undergoes repeated division to form the secondary and tertiary bronchi and bronchioles ending up in very thin terminal bronchioles the trachea primary secondary and tertiary bronchi and initial bronchioles are supported by incomplete cartilaginous rings each terminal bronchiole give rise to a number of very thin irregular walled and vascularized bag like structures called alveoli the branching network of bronchi bronchioles and alveoli comprise the lungs we have two lungs which are covered by a double layered pleura with pleural fluid between them it reduces friction on the lung surface the outer pleural membrane is in close contact with the thoracic lining whereas the inner pleural membrane is in contact with the lung surface the part starting with the external nostril up to the terminal bronchioles constitute the conducting part whereas the alveoli and their ducts form the respiratory or exchange part of the respiratory system the conducting part transports the atmospheric air to the alveoli whereas uh, and clears it from the foreign particles humidifies and also brings the air to the body temperature exchange part is the site of actual diffusion of o2 and co2 between the blood and atmospheric air the lungs are situated in the thoracic chamber which is anatomically an airtight chamber the thoracic chamber is formed dorsally by the vertebral column ventrally by the sternum laterally by the ribs and on the lower side by the dome shaped diaphragm the anatomical setup of the lungs is in thorax is in such a way that any change in the volume of the thoracic cavity will be reflected in the lung or pulmonary cavity such an arrangement is essential for breathing as we cannot directly alter the pulmonary volume respiration involves the following step first breathing or pulmonary ventilation by which atmospheric air is drawn in and co2 rich alveolar air is released out 
सेकेंड डिफ्यूजन ऑफ गैसेज ओ टू एंड सी ओ टू अक्रॉस एलवेलर मेम्ब्रेन थर्ड ट्रांसपोर्ट ऑफ गैसेज इन ब्लड बाय द ब्लड फोर्थ डिफ्यूजन ऑफ ओ टू एंड सी ओ टू बिटवीन द ब्लड एंड टिश्यूज फिफ्थ यूटिलाइजेशन ऑफ ओ टू बाय द सेल्स फॉर कैटाबॉलिक रिएक्शंस एंड रिजल्टेंट रिलीज ऑफ सी ओ टू सेलर रेस्पिरेशन एज डेल्थ इन चैप्टर फोर्टीन मैकेनिज्म ऑफ ब्रीदिंग ब्रीदिंग इन्वॉल्व टू स्टेजेस इंस्पिरेशन ड्यूरिंग विच एटमोस्फेरिक एयर इज ड्रॉन इन एंड एक्सपीरेशन बाई विच द एलवेलर एयर इज रिलीज आउट द मूवमेंट ऑफ एयर इन टू एंड आउट ऑफ द लंग्स इज कैरी आउट बाई क्रिएटिंग अ प्रेशर ग्रेडियंट बिटवीन द लंग्स एंड द एटमोसफेयर इंस्पिरेशन कैन ऑकर इफ द प्रेशर विद इन द लंग्स इंट्रापलमरी प्रेशर इज लेस दैन द एटमोस्फेरिक प्रेशर दैट इज देर इज अ नेगेटिव प्रेशर इन द लंग्स विद रेस्पेक्ट टू द एटमोस्फेरिक प्रेशर सिमिलरली एक्सपीरेशन टेक्स प्लेस वेन द इंट्रापलमरी प्रेशर इज हायर दैन द एटमोस्फेरिक प्रेशर द डायफ्राम एंड स्पेशलाइज सेट ऑफ मसल एक्सटर्नल एंड इंटरनल इंटरकोस्टल बिटवीन द रिप्स हेल्प इन द जनरेशन ऑफ सच ग्रेडियंट इंस्पिरेशन इज इनिशिएटेड बाय द कॉन्ट्रेक्शन ऑफ डायफ्राम विच इंक्रीजेज द वॉल्यूम ऑफ थोरासिक चेंबर इन द एंटीरियर पोस्टीरियर एक्सेस द कॉन्ट्रेक्शन ऑफ एक्सटर्नल इंटरकोस्टल मसल लिप्स अप द रिप्स एंड द स्टर्नम कॉजिंग एन इंक्रीज इन द वॉल्यूम ऑफ द थोरासिक चेंबर इन द डॉर्सो वेंट्रल एक्सेस द ओवरऑल इंक्रीज इन द थोरासिक वॉल्यूम कॉजेज अ सिमिलर इंक्रीज इन द पर्मनरी वॉल्यूम an increase in the pulmonary volume decreases the intrapulmonary pressure to less than the atmospheric pressure which forces the air from outside to move into the lungs that is inspiration relaxation of the diaphragm and the intercostal muscles return the diaphragm and sternum to the normal position and reduce the thoracic volume and thereby the pulmonary volume this leads to the an increase in the intrapulmonary pressure to slightly above the atmospheric pressure causing the expulsion of air from the lungs that is expiration we have the ability to increase the strength of the inspiration and expiration with help of the additional muscle in the abdomen on an average a healthy human breathes 12 to 16 times a minute the volume of the air involved in breathing movements can be estimated by using a spirometer which helps in clinical assessment of the pulmonary functions respiratory volumes and capacities tidal volume volume of air inspired or expired during a normal respiration it is approximately 500 ml that is a healthy man can inspire or expire approximately 6000 to 8000 ml of air per minute inspiratory reserve volume additional volume of air a person can inspire by forcible inspiration this averages 2500 to 3000 ml expiratory reserve volume additional volume of air a person can expire by a forcible expiration this averages 1000 to 1100 ml residual volume volume of air remaining in the lungs even after the forcible expiration this averages 1100 to 1200 ml by adding up the few respiratory volumes described above one can derive various pulmonary capacities which can be used in clinical diagnosis inspiratory capacities total volume of air a person can inspire after a normal expiration this includes tidal volume and inspiratory reserve volume tv plus irv expiratory capacity the total volume of air a person can expire after a normal inspiration this includes tidal volume and expiratory reserve volume tv plus irv functional residual capacity volume of air that will remain in the lungs after a normal expiration this includes irv plus rv vital capacity vc the maximum volume of air a person can breathe in after a forced expiration this includes irv tv plus and irv or the maximum volume of air a person can breathe after breathe out after a forced inspiration
TLC total lung capacity total volume of air accommodated in the lungs at the end of the forced inspiration this includes RV ERV TV and IRV or vital capacity plus residual volume exchange of gases alveoli are the primary sites of exchange of gases exchange of gases also occur between the blood and tissues o2 and co2 are exchanged in these sites by simple diffusion mainly based on pressure concentration gradient solubility of the gases as well as the thickness of the membrane involved in diffusion are also some important factors that can affect the rate of diffusion pressure contributed by an individual gas in a mixture of gases is called the partial pressure and is represented as po2 for oxygen and pco2 for carbon dioxide partial pressure of these two gases in atmospheric air and the two sides of diffusion are given in table 17.1 and in the figure 17.3 The data given in the table clearly indicates a concentration gradient for oxygen from alveoli to blood and blood to tissues. Similarly, a gradient is present for CO2 in the opposite direction that is from tissues to the blood and blood to alveoli. As the solubility of CO2 is 20 to 25 times higher than that of the O2, the amount of CO2 that can diffuse through the diffusion membrane per unit difference in partial pressure is much higher compared in that to the O2. The diffusion membrane is made up of three major layers namely the thin squamous epithelium of the alveoli the endothelium of the alveolar capillaries and the basement membrane composed of the thin basement membrane supporting the squamous epithelium and the basement membrane surrounding the single layer endothelial cells of the capillaries in between them however its total thickness is much less than a millimeter therefore all the factors in our body are favorable for the diffusion of o2 from alveoli to tissues and that of co2 from tissues to alveoli transport of gases Blood is a medium of transport for O2 and CO2. About 97% of the O2 is transported via RBC in the blood. The remaining 3% of the O2 is carried in a dissolved state through the plasma. Nearly 20 to 25% of the CO2 is transported via RBC whereas 70% of it is carried out as bicarbonate. About 7% of the CO2 is carried in a dissolved state through the plasma. Transport of oxygen Hemoglobin is a red colored iron containing pigment present in the RBCs. O2 can bind with hemoglobin in a reversible manner to form oxyhemoglobin. Each hemoglobin molecule can carry a maximum of 4 molecules of O2. Binding of oxygen with hemoglobin is primarily related to the partial pressure of O2. Partial pressure of CO2, hydrogen ion concentration and temperature are the other factors which can interfere with this binding. A sigmoid curve is obtained when percentage saturation of hemoglobin with O2 is plotted against the PO2. This curve is called the oxygen dissociation curve and is highly useful in studying the effects of the factors like PCO2 to H plus concentration etc on binding of O2 with hemoglobin in the alveoli where there is high PO2 low PCO2 lesser H plus concentration and lower temperature the factors are all favorable for the formation of oxyhemoglobin whereas in the tissues where low PO2 high PCO2 high H plus concentration and high temperature exist the condition are favorable for dissociation of oxygen from the oxyhemoglobin this clearly indicates that O2 gets bound to hemoglobin in the lung surface and gets dissociated at the tissues every 100 ml of oxygenated blood can deliver around 5 ml of O2 to the tissues under normal physiological conditions transport of carbon dioxide CO2 is carried by hemoglobin as carbamino hemoglobin about 20 to 25%. This binding is related to the partial pressure of CO2. 
PO2 is a major factor which could affect this binding. When PCO2 is high and PO2 is low as in the tissues, more binding of carbon dioxide occurs whereas when the PCO2 is low and PO2 is high as in alveoli, dissociation of CO2 from the carbamino hemoglobin takes place that is CO2 which is bound to hemoglobin from the tissues is delivered at the alveoli. RBCs contain a very high concentration of enzyme carbonic anhydrase and a minute quantity of the same is present in the plasma too. This enzyme facilitates the following reaction in the both the direction. CO2 plus H2O in the presence of carbonic anhydrase gives H2CO3 and H2CO3 then breaks down into HCO3 minus plus H plus. Both are catalyzed by carbonic anhydrase. At the tissue site where the partial pressure of CO2 is high due to the catabolism, CO2 diffuses into the blood and forms HCO3- and H+. At the alveolar site where PCO2 is low, the reaction proceeds in the opposite direction leading to the formation of CO2 plus H2O. Thus, CO2 trapped as bicarbonate at the tissue level transported to the alveoli is released out as CO2. Every 100 ml of deoxygenated blood delivers approximately 4 ml of CO2 to the alveoli. Regulation of respiration Human beings have a significant ability to maintain and moderate the respiratory rhythm to suit the demands of the body tissues. This is done by the neural system. A specialized center present in the medulla region of the brain called the respiratory rhythm center is primarily responsible for this regulation. Another center present in the pons region of the brain called pneumotaxic center can moderate the function of the respiratory rhythm center. Neural signals from this center can reduce the duration of the inspiration and thereby alter the rate respiratory rate. A chemosensitive area in situ situated is situated adjacent to the respiratory rhythm which is highly sensitive to CO2 and hydrogen ions. Increase in these substances can activate the center which in turn can signal the, the rhythm center to make necessary adjustment in the respiratory process by which these substances can be eliminated. Receptors associated with the aortic arc and carotid artery are also can recognize changes in CO2 and H plus concentration and send necessary signals to the rhythm center for remedial action. The role of oxygen in the regulation of respiratory rhythm is quite insignificant. Disorders of respiratory system Asthma is a difficulty in breathing causing wheezing due to inflammation of bronchi and bronchioles. Emphysema is a chronic disorder in which alveolar walls are damaged due to which respiratory surfaces decrease. One of the major causes of this is cigarette smoking. Occupational respiratory disorders in certain industries, especially those involving grinding and stone breaking, so much dust is produced that the defense mechanism of the body cannot fully cope with the situation. Long exposure can give rise to inflammation leading to fibrosis, proliferation of fibrous tissues and thus causing serious lung damage. Workers in such industries should wear protective masks.